0: Well, for our scripture reading this morning, uh, we are in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, so if you want to turn with me to Hebrews 2, verses 5 through 13, if you don't have a Bible this morning, there's some in the foyer you can grab and take home with you. So again, Hebrews 2, 5 through 13. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking, it has test has been testified somewhere. Where is man that you are mindful of him, or the Son of man that you care for him? You made him a little while lower than the angels. you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. now in every now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Amen.
1: So I'd like to begin with a question for parents today. How many of you parents have ever read the books, the Chronicles of Narnia, to your children? How many of you have done that? You read them with and to your children? I believe that's a really good thing to do because the stories of the Chronicles of Narnia are stories that will help your children to learn the Bible. So even if you don't have children, it's a good idea to read these stories. They get the story of the Bible into you. So I would encourage you to do that. In the story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, a girl named Lucy enters into the magical land of Narnia. Lucy starts talking with a fawn there named Mr. Tumnus. And the fawn gets very excited when he realizes that Lucy is a human being. And he says to her, You mean to say that you are a daughter of Eve? The reason for the excitement of the fawn becomes clear later in the book there was a prophecy in Narnia which Mr. and Mrs. Beaver quoted, which said that when Adam's flesh and Adam's bone sit at care, paravel, and throne, the evil time will be over and done. When human beings sat on thrones in Narnia, the time of evil in Narnia would be completely finished. And that's exactly what happens in the stories of Narnia. Lucy and her sister and her two brothers sit on four thrones and they rule over the land of Narnia. The story of Narnia reveals the destiny of human beings for Narnia. And it also reveals the destiny of human beings in the Bible. You see, God has a great plan for humanity. His plan was that we would rule God's plan for us as human beings is seen in Hebrews chapter 2, which we just read. Now, some people would say today that human beings have no purpose, they are just an accident. But that is not the message of the Bible. The Bible said that God had a plan for us from the very beginning of time. Well, what was that plan? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 today and and see what God's plan for humanity is. First of all, God's plan for humanity was that they would be greater than angels. Hebrews chapter 2 begins, uh, beginning in verse 5 rather, returns to the subject of angels. In the first four verses of chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews was warning the church not to drift away from Jesus and the salvation that he won for us at the cross. But in verse 5, the author returns to the subject of verse 1 to talk about how Jesus is greater than the angels. He says in verse 5 that it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. Well, if it's not angels who will rule over heaven, who will? Who will rule over heaven? Believe it or not, it's you. It's human beings that God will set up in rule over heaven. We will sit on thrones, and we will rule. The author proves his point by quoting from Psalm 8 in Hebrews chapter 2. The quotation be- begins in verse 6 by reading, What is man that you are mindful of him? for the son of man that you care for him it sounds like the psalmist is saying something similar to what modern human beings are saying about humanity the universe is so big and we human beings seem so trivial so insignificant in comparison with the vast size of the universe for example the physicist stephen hawking once said It is clear that we are just an advanced breed of primates on a minor planet orbiting around a very average star in the outer suburb of one among a hundred billion galaxies. Now, this is one of the smartest human beings who has lived in recent years. And what was Stephen Hawking's conclusion? Human beings are nothing, living on a nothing planet in a vast universe. Now, it is certainly true that the universe is huge. That is completely true. And it is true that human beings appear quite small in comparison with the size of the universe. But the Bible reaches a very different conclusion about human beings than Stephen Hawking reached. The psalmist is quoted in Hebrews 2, 7, and 8 as saying, "...you made him, human beings, for a little while lower than the angels." You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Right now, then, human beings are lower than the angels. But what is our destiny as human beings? I brought a picture with me this morning to to show you where we are headed. Where are we going? We are going to rule. That is the destiny of humanity that's what God has planned for us. We are destined for glory and honor as followers of Jesus. Everything in creation is to be subject to human beings. Everything, including angels. So yes, we human beings may look very small and insignificant in the universe, but we are destined to sit on thrones. We are destined to... To rule, I think that King David, in writing Psalm 8, was thinking back to what God had said about human beings in the very first chapter of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26. Let's read that verse together out loud. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So over how much was humanity supposed to have dominion over? Over how much were human beings supposed to rule? Everything. We were to be kings and queens sitting on thrones, And praise God, one day we will be. That is our destiny. That is our future as followers of Christ. We were made to reflect God's glory. God crowned us with that glory. It was human beings, not angels, that were made in the image of God. And we were made to rule God's world. It was human beings, not angels who are to have dominion over the world. In God's plan, we human beings were to be so much greater than angels. Some of you have probably seen in recent days the funny Geico commercial in which Pinocchio is a bad motivational speaker. (laughs) Pinocchio is holding a class as a motivational speaker in this hotel conference room and his, he says as he looks around the room that everyone in that room has potential unlimited potential and so he points to a man that he sees and he says you have potential but what happens to Pinocchio's nose as he says that his nose grows right and so he tries again you have potential but his nose grows even longer Pinocchio is clearly lying. This man does not have potential. This man is going nowhere with his life and going nowhere with his job. But here is the thing about the potential and the destiny of every Christian. Every Christian that you talk to in this church is one day going to sit on a throne. Isn't that amazing? And Haiti team, every Christian that you meet in Haiti will also be sitting on a throne one day. So the people that you talk to who are Christians are not mere mortals. They are little immortals who one day will rule on a throne in God's world on God's behalf. So please... Don't look down on anyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. Even the youngest children in our Kids of Hope Church who know and love Jesus, they will one day rule over the world. Isn't that great? This is God's plan for humanity, that we would reign. But there is bad news. The bad news is that humanity has rebelled against God, which has led to a broken world. In the second part of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 8, the author gives a reality check on what he has been talking about. He has just quoted verses which say that humans were made to reflect the glory of God. Humans were made to rule God's world. Well, as you look around you at this world... Does it look like human beings are reflecting God's glory? Does it look like human beings are are ruling well over this world? Um, I'm going to have to answer no to both of those questions. Human beings are not the way they are supposed to be. The author of Hebrews would agree with that. He says in the second part of verse 8, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Well, the natural question is why? If it was God's plan for human beings to rule over the world that he had created, why aren't they? In order to discover what happened to God's plan in Genesis chapter 1, you have to go on to read Genesis chapter 3. And what happened in Genesis 3? Adam, the first human being that God had made, rebelled against God. Adam did not fulfill God's purpose for him. Instead, he sinned. And what did Adam's sin bring into the world? Pain. Frustration. Futility. Death. Everything in the world was supposed to be under the rule of human beings. But sin interrupted to frustrate this rule. And death, which is the penalty for sin, also thwarts human rule over this world. We were designed for glory. But that glory has not become reality in human history. Instead, human history is littered with the wreckage of destruction and death. We live in a world gone mad. Now let's think for a moment about one of the reasons we live in this world gone mad. Let's think about why God's plan for humans to rule over the world hasn't been thwarted. It is because of the angel who tempted Adam. It is because of Satan who led Adam into sin. Do you know who Satan is? Satan is a fallen angel. It was God's plan for Adam and humanity to rule over the whole world, to rule over angels and everything else. But Adam rebelled and instead he followed an angel. God's intended order then was reversed by Adam. God intended for Adam to rule over the angels. But instead, Adam followed an angel, and he allowed himself to be ruled by Satan. Can you see now why the author of Hebrews argues so strongly in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus is far greater than the angels, that the Hebrew church was tempted to honor above Jesus? And it is not just Jesus who is greater than angels. Do you know who else is greater than angels? You are. You, as a human being, were created to rule the angels. We were supposed to rule, but instead, Adam and human beings have rebelled against God by our sin. As a result, human beings are now poor rulers of this world, and human beings are a poor reflection. Of the glory of God. Many years ago, a reporter for the London Times wrote about many of the same problems that we are facing today. So, this reporter ended every article that he wrote with this weary question What's wrong with the world? The Christian G.K. Chesterton once wrote a famous reply. He wrote to the paper Dear editor, What's wrong with the world? I am. Faithfully yours, G.K. Chesterton. You see, at the heart of the world's problems is the sinfulness of every human heart. Our rebellion against God has led to this broken and fractured world that we live in. But this is where the good news comes in. Jesus, the perfect human being, the one who is greater than every other human being who has ever lived, he represents us and he restores us to God. The bad news today is that all of us are sinners. All of us have rebelled against God and we all live in a broken world as a result. But there is also good news today. There is gospel And the gospel is found in Jesus Christ. Notice how everything changes in Hebrews chapter 2 with the mention of the name Jesus in verse 9. Verse 8 had concluded with the sad fact that we don't yet see human beings ruling over all things. This was God's plan for humanity, but it did not happen because of sin. But what do we see in verse 9? We see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Humanity is not ruling the world. But there is one human being, according to verse 9, who is currently ruling over all things. There is one human being who is crowned with glory and honor even today. And what is his name? Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate human being who is now seated on a throne. He has been crowned with glory and honor, and he rules and he reigns. Jesus fulfills God's plan and God's destiny for human beings. Notice in verse 9 the exciting truth that Jesus represents all of us before God. We see at the end of verse 9 that Jesus tasted death for everyone who has faith in him. Jesus never sinned. He was perfect. He fulfilled God's purpose for him by obeying all of God's commands. Since Jesus never sinned, did Jesus then deserve to die? No. Death is a penalty for sin. Therefore, Jesus did not die for his own sins. Jesus then must have died for the sins of his people. He must have represented all of the church before God. And he could represent us because Jesus became a human being when he entered into Mary's womb and he lived out his life here on earth. As a human being, Jesus could die for our sins as our representative. God could not die. He is eternal. Angels could not die They are immortal. But a human being could die. And so for a little while, we read in verse 9, Jesus became lower than the angels. He was lower than the angels in that, like all other human beings, Jesus was subject to death. And so Jesus, the God who became man, died for our sins on the cross. Jesus died as our representative. Do you know what's great about having someone represent you? What is true of your representative is also true of you. What is true then of Jesus is also true of you. If Jesus represents you, do you realize what that means? When Jesus died... You died. So because Jesus is your representative, when Jesus died, you died and paid for your sin just like Jesus paid for your sin. Because Jesus represents you, who else has had their sins paid for? You have. Because Christ is your representative. All your debt to God has been paid. All the debt that you owe to God for your sin has been completely cleared. It has been paid by Jesus, your representative. There is another way that Jesus, as your representative, makes it true that what's true of Jesus is true of you. If you look at verse 9, we see what happened to Jesus after he died and was resurrected. Verse 9 says that he was crowned with glory and honor. Jesus fulfilled the destiny of the human race. He rules on a throne. And since what is true of Jesus as our representative is also true of us, we too are going to share in that rule. We will share in Christ's glory and honor. One day we Christians will be seated on thrones. And we will rule with Jesus. Because of Jesus, our representative, our glory and our honor as human beings will be restored. There's one other way that what's true of Jesus is also true of you. We see it in verses 10 through 13. Jesus is holy. So what does that make you? You also are holy as you express your faith in him. We share in Jesus' righteousness by faith. We see in verse 10 that Jesus is called the founder of their salvation. This word founder has been also translated with the words pioneer or trailblazer or pathfinder. Jesus blazed the trail ahead of us to win our salvation. Now being a trailblazer is risky work. There's a lot of danger in being a pathfinder ahead of everybody else. What did that mean for Jesus? If you look at the end of verse 10, you see that the last word in that verse is the word suffering. Jesus suffered greatly as a human being for us. Look at his cross. That was the end of Jesus' life. But Jesus did not just suffer at the end of his life, he suffered throughout his life. So, as a human being, Jesus truly knows what you are going through when you go through pain and suffering. Jesus has been there, he has lived the life that you are now living. He knows what it means to go through pain and suffering. We read in verse 10 that Jesus was made perfect through suffering. You might say, well, wasn't Jesus always perfect? Yes, he was. He was sinless. In what way, then, was Jesus made perfect through his suffering? Even though Jesus was always holy, he grew in holiness through testing, through temptation, and through suffering. Jesus then, in a sense, became who he already was. He became holy as he suffered on this earth. And the same is true for us. We are being made sanctified, made holy, according to verse 11. We are already holy and righteous because Jesus is our representative and our faith is in him but we have to become who we already are. We have to become holy. And how do we become holy? The same way that Jesus became holy, through suffering. It is as we suffer and struggle on this earth in the fight for holiness that Jesus calls you his brothers and sisters, his children, according to verses 12 and 13. Now, some Christians that I talk to see suffering as a complete waste of time. What's the point of all this suffering, they ask? Well, Hebrews chapter 2 says that suffering is the pathway to holy living. You see, it's the diamond that is cut the most that shines the brightest. Suffering, then, is the pathway to becoming like Christ. I want you to think about what happens to your body when you decide after a long period of hibernation to suddenly start exercising. What happens to your body when you do that? How do you feel when you begin to work out? You feel like you're suffering. You know why you feel that way? It's because you are suffering. You are straining. You are sweating. You are sucking wind after those workouts. You are questioning your sanity to beginning to do all of these exercises. But essentially, something good is happening to you because of those exercises. Something good is happening because of the suffering of your body. You are losing weight. You actually do have muscles that are getting toned. Your endurance is increasing. A whole new freeway system of capillaries and blood vessels are forming within your body. In the same way, when you are enduring trials and suffering in your life, God is building you for endurance and for growth in holiness in order to become like Jesus, your pathfinder. Your suffering will lead to more endurance for the next time that adversity comes your way. Your suffering then is not pointless. It is the means that God is using to make you holy like Jesus, your representative, is holy. Church, Jesus is the ultimate human being. There is no one greater than Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life that you could not live, and then he died the death that you should have died for your sin. He died it as your representative. By his death as your representative, he paid all the debt that you owe to God. And today, Jesus is sitting on a throne in heaven, ruling the entire world. He is crowned with glory and honor. And one day, because Jesus is your representative, you too will be wearing a crown. You will be crowned with glory and honor. One day, you too will rule in heaven. Isn't that a reason for hope today? Isn't that a reason for joy God's plan all along from the beginning of time has been for you to rule alongside Christ. Let's get ready for that rule. Let's grow in holiness because the place where we're going is completely holy, led by our holy Jesus. Let's be like Jesus, our representative. Let's be who we already are. God's holy people. As we pray to close today, I'll ask the worship team to come up. Let's pray together. God, how grateful we are for Jesus. How grateful we are that Jesus is our representative before you. Without him, we would be lost in our sins. Without him, we could not stand before you. But because Jesus is holy, we too are now holy. Because Jesus is righteous, we too are now righteous. Because Christ died on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the greatness of Jesus. Thank you that he is our Savior. I pray that you would work in us to make us holy like Jesus is holy. Amen.